0: California okay. I've been anxious to get here tonight Cheryl by the way if I could talk to that man or who it is I'd love to talk to him because when people start talking about uh, suicide is a it's a serious problem and a lot of people are today and uh, I like what the young fellow come up to me and said today he tickled me he said I was—I got tickled right in the middle of your service this morning preacher I said well, what was the problem he said I was just thinking the old devil must get up every morning you get up and say oh my goodness I'm going to have more trouble out of him today <laughs> and I, I honest to goodness uh, I spent a little time talking with him I've been knowing him for years ever since he's a little boy and it's good to see him here this morning but in fellowshipping with him, uh, we were talking about not letting somebody else steal your joy from him. No matter what the circumstances is, and I told him years ago, I settled this thing with myself, I'm not going to let somebody else take my joy away from me. I'm just not going to do it. I want I to live a happy life in the Lord. And I... I I have a problem with people that have these tendencies to uh, committing suicide or not wanting to live. But I do know the power of the devil. And I've spent a many hours dealing with people on that very subject. One of the funniest things I've had happen with our YouTube, you can't believe the number of people that called and, and inquired about the man that I was talking to about down at my tower. It was in the woods, and I was talking about I went out, and he was going to commit suicide. And I talked to him, and and, uh, I stopped right there and went on preaching my sermon. And they called me and said, I want to know what happened to the man. (laughs) 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 But uh, we got to lead him to the Lord, and he's doing fine even today. But at the same time, I do know the power of the devil. And, brother, he is working in today's times. But I still know that God's still in charge. Amen. Now, tonight, I want to take up where we left off this morning. I'm trying to go through the book of Revelation. I'm enjoying it every time I turn to it and uh, begin to read it. And realize now that uh, as you read it, keep in mind every time you open the book of Revelation, that it is for one simple lesson. That is, to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ in the past, in the present, and in the future of His dealing with all mankind, with both Jew and Gentile. And so it it has to do with the church, it has to do with the nation Israel, and the Jewish people. Now, tonight I want to take up where we left off this morning, where the Bible says in verse in, in chapter 8, uh, with me please, in verse 1, And when He had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Now, Revelation 6 warns us that the great day of His wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? In Revelation 8, we have the revealing of God's wrath, that when all heaven gets a glimpse of what is coming, you find complete silence. Now here's the thing. If all heaven is in awe of the terror to come, why aren't men that way today? It looked like to me that men everywhere were whoever hears Jesus says would run to Him instead of away from Him. Now God promises in John 5 verse 24, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Second Peter 3.9 nine says, God has long suffered to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In Habakkuk 2 verse 20 says the Lord in his holy temple, Let all the earth keep silent before him. Now, the message tonight, or I want to I want to show you, if I can please, that God is long-suffering. God is merciful. God will deal with you, I don't care who you are. I don't care your creed, color, or whatever. If you're a human being, God is long-suffering to you. And we know that the Bible says that all are sinners. Amen? So nobody can come before God and say, I have not sinned. We're all sinners. And God, if you study the Bible, you'll find that there's no degrees when it comes to this matter of sin. We put sins into categories. Meaning that adultery is terrible and shooting somebody or killing somebody is terrible. But telling a lie is just a little white lie. That's not so bad. But God puts them all in the same category and He tells us one thing. Sin, period. We're sinners. Amen? So no matter how good you are on the face of this earth, you're still a sinner. And God deals with all of us in that category. We all need to be saved. And God deals with us. I was talking to a man one day. He said, well, just tell me how God deals with me then about coming to him. I said, all right. A preacher preaches to you. God uses that preacher to deal with you. Uh, Somebody comes along and hand you a track out on the street or somebody. God's using that person to hand you a track to deal with you. Uh, you see that God's people are being blessed and and so on and God's dealing with you through it all. God deals in all these avenues to reach you uh, with the gospel to reach you that Jesus wants to save your soul. But what I want to get to you tonight is this fact. There comes a time when God says that's enough. If you don't believe it, you read about Pharaoh. You go back and read about Pharaoh and God dealt with him. And ten times God told Pharaoh, Let my people go. But he wouldn't do it. And then God destroyed him. That's mercy. Amen. I think about Noah in the ark. Did you know that God told Noah to preach 120 years and only eight souls were saved? But at the day that God told Noah to go get in the ark, He still did not shut the door of that ark till seven days later. Think about that for just a minute. He left, that all, he left the door of grace open. Anybody would come and get in that ark could have come and got out of that storm if they wanted to for seven more days. But the Bible said they didn't do it. And then after the door was shut by God, God shut the door. Can you think of all the people who were screaming and hollering when they saw it raining and wanting to give in, get in, but yet God said, Can't do it. The door of grace is shut. Now, when you read these verses carefully of the wrath of God to come, and you think about it, and all of heaven, in verse 1 of chapter 8, is silent. Why? Because great terror is coming. Now, if you go back and read the great city, Jericho is a type of the world. And if you'll notice, the world today is like that great city Jericho. They're the enemies of God's people. Jericho fell at the seventh time around the seven uh, they marched around that city and seven times and on the only last day they marched around another seven. This seven trumpets that begins in verse two is like to Jericho and the world as you and I know it, it's going to fall at the sound of the seven trumpets of doom, Blown by the angels of judgment. Verse 2, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came With the prayers of the saints ascended up before God, out of the angel's hands, and the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar, and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seventh angel, which had the seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. Verse seven. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire, and mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of trees were burnt up. And all green grass were burnt up. Now, as you read the rest of that chapter, you have to go back to Exodus. And as you study the book of Exodus, the first trumpet in verse 7, Hail and fire mingle in blood. Did you notice know the same thing that happened when Moses called down on the land of Egypt? In Exodus chapter 9, verses 18 and 24 and 25, water turned into blood. And the second trumpet, in verse 8, creatures in the sea died. Exodus chapter 7, verse 19 to 21, same thing. Uh, In Revelation 8, verse 10 and 11, the third trumpet. Uh, If you go back to Jeremiah, you'll find the same thing happened. The fourth trumpet, Revelation 8, verse 12. You take that with Luke 21, you find the same thing happen. Here's what I'm trying to say. God gave you an example of what the wrath of God is like. And still men will not hear Him. Now let's go to uh, chapter 9, in verse 1. Here's the sounding of the fifth angel, the fifth trumpet. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven. Under the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air was darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. Notice what this says now as, remember types and figures as the scorpions upon the earth. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their forehead. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. Now, in verse 6, And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Now, the star that fell from heaven, notice, is a person. The word him is given him in verse 1. Now, it's an angel acting for Christ. in. Now, Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Revelation 1 verse 8, Christ has the keys of hell and of death. Now, brother, I don't know about you, but I'm glad Jesus is in charge. That's what it's talking about. Christ has all power over demons, all power over Satan. So here, Christ gives the key of hell to an angel. And hell, the bottomless pit, is opened up, and from it comes the plagues of the fifth trumpet. The bottomless pit is in the center of the earth. So there is no up and down, only falling like in space. No gravitational pull is there. There's not paradise of Luke chapter 16 uh, speaks of righteous uh, were, And uh, this is not hell. The abode of souls lost are still there. Every person... That goes to hell, as mentioned in Luke chapter 16, is still there. They're not ever going to come out, except on the great white throne judgment. They'll be cast right back in there. So this is not hell. This is not paradise of Luke chapter 16. This is not Tartarus, the prison of the fallen angels, mentioned in Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 4 or Jude 6. This is the hell or abyss, or bottomless pit where demons live. Now, you know a lot of people have the wrong idea about demons. Demons are unclean spirits which do not have bodies except those that they assume and possess or enter into others that they take possession of. Here's a dangerous thing. Don't ever fight the devil on your own. He'll win. He's greater than you are. Brother, if I'm going to if I'm going to deal with somebody that I believe is demon possessed, and I have dealt with them. And I know that there is real people like that. But I will never go where they're at, or never deal with them, unless I plead the blood of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, against the devil before I go there. Because it's the blood that overcomes the devil. Now get this, please. These locusts from the bottomless pit are demons. Released from hell to torture unsaved men. They are not locusts as were in Egypt, for those locusts ate the grass and trees and so on. Here, these locusts are to torment men, which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Now, go back to chapter 9 and verse 6. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to live, die and death shall flee from them. Now Job said, if you'll turn over to Job chapter 6, I want you to watch this. In Job chapter 6, and look with me please in verse 8. Job 6 verse 8, Oh, that I might have my request, and that God would grant me the thing that I long for, even that it would please God to destroy me, that He would let loose His hand, and cut me off now anybody that knows Job knows that Job was tormented by the devil and and when the devil torments you so bad you'll get to the place that you want to end life and you'll get to the place that you'll even pray that your life be taken from you but God said uh, that he can't do it without his permission now Deuteronomy 28 verses 65 through 67 what God promised Israel They forsook the Lord. This torment could be compared to Judas. In Matthew 27, verse 4, Judas said, I have betrayed the innocent blood, and he went out and hanged himself. Now notice the terrible picture of these locusts. If you study them, you'll find that their teeth were as the teeth of lions. In verse 8. Yet they do not tear the bodies of men or the souls. Number two, their tails like unto scorpions. Verse 10. But not physical stings, but souls. Who can imagine for just a minute or understand a man who has been tormented over to or turned over to demons, who has gone beyond mercy, those that have no hope. Now let me give you some. When God turns his hand or turns his face away from you, there is no hope. There is no hope. You can pray for that person, you can do whatever you want to, but there is no hope for them. Because you gotta remember something. God is the only one who can save a soul. Amen? And it's, it's made very plain. Now I want you to look at verse 21. Verse 21, please. Uh, Neither repent they of their murderers, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornications, nor of their thefts. Here's the point I, I want to make here. Isn't it strange to you that you deal with people and deal with people and, and they're in torment and they're, they go through testing they go through all kind of terrible things in this life and you deal with them, you try to get them to turn around and come to God and they will not do it? I've never understood that. But here, the Bible makes it very plain that these people that are being tormented, although they're being tormented, they still will not turn from their wicked ways. Now, the sixth trumpet begins in verse 13. And the six angels sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the six angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now notice, the hour and day, and month, and year, these angels are prepared for. uh, Verse 14, these angels are already there. Look at verse 14. Saying in the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the angels. So they're already there. Amen? It's like I dealt with a man about the rapture for a long time. And he kept telling me uh, that uh, I was going to go through the the church is gonna go through the rapture. I said there well there's a strange thing. When I read the Bible, it says that all my loved ones that's dead and going on to be the Lord is coming back with the Lord. That means somebody says, Where is my loved one that's dead? Or died? Well you can't come back if you're not there. That's just a simple thing. And that's the way the book of Revelation is if you'll study it, because it's the same way here uh, you can't be loosed if you're not tied. So where are they They're in the Euphrates? Uru- Uru- the Euphrates River is 1780 miles long. The Nile River and Euphrates from, formed a border of the promised land. The ground God deeded to Abraham for an everlasting possession in Genesis 15 and verse 18. And I want you to notice the number of Of this uh, army is two hundred thousand. You know how you know the one nation in the world that has two hundred thousand foot soldiers? China. China. Now notice in verse fourteen with me, please. Saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed and were prepared for an hour and a day and a month of the year for to slay the third part of man. Dr. Ironside says, These angels are evidently at the present time restraining the great acoustic hordes from pouring themselves upon the land of Palestine and Europe. The Euphrates formed the eastern limit of the Roman Empire, and thus was the barrier and it were between the East and the West. Not only the armies of restored Roman Empire, but here come the hordes from China, Japan, Indonesia, India, Manchuria, and all the other nations in that direction. Now in verse seven of chapter nine, <clears throat> in verse seven and the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the face of men. Now, if you see the shapes of these locusts were like unto horses prepared the battle. Then in verse 13 uh, 15, And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year, to slay the third part of men. The weapons of modern warfare, uh, the bombs and the tanks and the cannons and all that, the flamethrowers, poison gases and bombs and rockets, these were not in existence in John's day as he wrote the Revelation. Yet God knows the difference. And here he says that smoke and fire and brimstone come. Now, as you study all that, We go to chapter 10 now, as these plagues are poured out in chapter 10 in verse 1. And there was given a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood, saying, Arise, and measure the temple of God, and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court, which is without the temple, leave out, and measure it not, for it is given to the Gentiles. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. Now in chapter 10, the mighty angel, and the little book here, there are seven things that we need to know about the mighty angel. This angel, number one, is mighty. Number two, this angel came down from heaven. Number three, this angel is clothed with a cloud. Number four, the face of the angel is like in the sun. Number five, the feet of the angels are as pillars of fire. Number six, he has in his hand a little book open. Number seven, he stands with one foot on the land and one foot on the sea. This denotes universal ownership and authority. Psalms 24 verse 1, The earth is Lord's and the fullness thereof. In Revelation 5 verse 5 through 7, The Lord Jesus Christ was the only one found worthy to open the book and to loose the seal. In the Old Testament, Jesus is referred to as Jehovah's Angel, and the angel of the Lord in Revelation, Jesus is spoken of as the lamb, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, as the warrior in the Bible, when clouds are mentioned, you will find the presence of deity. In the for instance. In the book of Nahum, it says that the clouds are the dust of His feet. In the book of uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 8-11, to Jesus was taken up in a cloud when He ascended back to heaven after His resurrection. In Exodus 19, verse 9, The Lord came down at Mount on Mount Zion in a thick cloud. What I'm saying is, Jehovah God, Appeared on the mercy seat in a cloud, and you find this over and over. Exodus 13:21 says, "The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud." Exodus 4:34, when the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle, a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and and there's many other verses of scripture that say the same thing. Here's what I'm saying: clouds are the garments of the Lord tells us that God is in in His infinite majesty and man in his sin cannot approach Him. It also tells us of His consuming power towards sin. Sin cannot live before His uncovered glory. Yet here He comes near to earth to offer once more mercy. Around the emerald rainbow, remember where we studied that in the pre- in the past. Now this angel will have the rainbow, the symbol of mercy, upon his head. The face of this angel, this mighty angel, are like the sun. Revelation one verse sixteen, <clears throat> John saw the countenance of Jesus as the uh, sun shining in his full strength. Jesus is also called a son as you of righteousness. In verse 1, this mighty angel had his feet as pillar of fire. In Revelation 1 verse 15, says his feet, like in the fine brass as they have burned in a furnace. Verse 2, and he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth. Now this, denotes possession. He is plainly announcing that He intends to possess and to take them for His own. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. Jesus is the rightful owner of the land and the sea. For 6,000 years, or there's about now, Satan, the Lord's enemy, has had control of this earth ever since the Garden of Eden. Now, who can stand against God's two uh, columns of fire? Pillows are firm. Think about it. Pillows means might. Remember now, Jesus deals in fire and in blood. In verse 3, said, He cried with a loud voice. Joel 3.16 says, The Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter His voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake. I right, wish you'd take time to read Jeremiah 25, Revelation 14. Now the shout of this mighty angel is announced of the immediate oncoming judgment of God. Then in verse 3, And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now these thunders speak words. Today we use uh, P.A. system. But you think about it. Have you ever thought about when Jesus was on the face of this earth, and five thousand people got saved in one day, just one day? How in the world did He speak to five thousand people without a great PA system? I have enough trouble getting a PA system to work all the time as it is, in the best of times. I I, I never will forget Dr. Curtis Hudson come to our for, former church to preach one time, and, and we had a sound man. He would always play him with the sound, getting it up and down, up and down. And he finally said, Hey, hey, back there in the sound booth, turn it wide open and go sit down. He wanted everybody to hear him. And what I'm trying to say is, 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 is with all the inventions we got today, sound systems are still hard to reach 5,000 people. But Jesus just preached. And the whole mountainside heard him. Can you imagine it is thundering voice one day? Listen to verse 3. And when he had cried, seven thundered uttered their voices. Now, the message here must be unutterable to describe, as described by John. Now, we have already seen the blood, tears, famine, heartache, uh, killings, misery, hail, fire, Burning mountain and demons, monstrosities, men begging to die. John was forbidden to write, must have, and at this particular time of the thing. Now, Revelation 10 and verse 5, please. Revelation 10 and verse 5. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon earth lifted up his head to heaven. Now, watch this. What a sight this must have been for John to witness. The mighty angel Jesus with all the brightness of his sun and raging roaring fire of a powerful furnace at his feet. The clouds of glory compose his robe and compass his body. Uh, the misery, depression, all that's going on. The bread, so the rainbow makes up his diadem. Then he stands one foot on the land, one foot on the ocean. The wide extended earth and the mighty oceans serve as his footstool as his flaming feet stand to com- to conquer and to possess. And he says, there can be no further delays. God has put up with man insults long enough. The world is in a stupor of sin." Man has had his chance to repent. Governments have had their chance. The visible church has had its chance. There can be no further delays. God's long-suffering and tenderness are running out. Consuming fire and judgment is about to fall. Now that's what's going to happen when the church is out of here and God starts to pour out His wrath. In verse 7 it says, The mystery of God should be finished. There are seven mysteries of God mentioned in Scripture. The mystery of God's will, Ephesians 1 and verse 9. The mystery of iniquity, that is the devil in flesh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 7. The mystery of godliness, 1 Timothy three sixteen; The mystery of God, Colossians 2, verse 2. The mystery of the seven stars, Revelation uh, 1 and verse 20. The mystery of the... Uh, of the woman on the beast in Revelation 17 and verse 7 the mystery of Israel Revelation 11 verse 25 each mystery is distinguished in itself they speak of something previously unknown and now revealed a mystery in the Bible is something that was previously hidden but now God is going to reveal it to us verse 7 this mystery at this time will be revealed Have you ever been asked, why did God make Satan? Does it seem strange to you God has allowed Satan to rule the affairs of men for nearly 6,000 years? Now, God has a plan. God has a program. And it's on schedule. Did you know I believe this with all my soul? God works on a timetable. In the beginning, God. And over here, in the last time, the end of everything and God's work in his timetable is right on schedule and nothing can stop it That's right. now the mystery of God's will I don't understand it I've thought about it all these times why was Satan allowed? a man came to me one time and said if you believe in a, a loving God why did he make the devil I said God didn't make the devil The devil was the most beautiful creature on the face of this earth, besides God Himself. He was a chosen cherubim in heaven. But he sinned and God cast him out as the devil. And he became the devil because of sin. So don't come here and tell me that God's the cause of all this mess. No, the devil is. Acts 15 and verse 18, Known unto God are all His works from the beginning of the world. You know what this Bible was written for? It was written that we go around today and we don't understand everything. And men having heart attacks and worrying themselves to death about what tomorrow's going to bring. What in the world's going to happen in ten years? What's going to happen down the line? And God wrote this book to show us where sin and all the trouble came from and he closed out this book showing us how it's going to end. And God's people are still preserved by God. Amen. I say this jokingly with my wife. Uh, we, she, the other day she got concerned and we need to get a, a graveside, a marker or something that they could put us in the ground with. I said, don't worry about me. Just throw me over the fence because I know where I'm going. I'm not going to be here. Amen? And I mean that. It doesn't bother me to have somebody present with the Lord. I'm not worried about dying one bit. So, when it comes to these mysteries, remember this. This whole book is written for one thing. It's close to the world. The natural man understands not the things of God. So God calls His people out of this wicked world, saves their soul, lets the Holy Spirit indwells us, And then He reveals these great truths to us. And one by one. And so when you get saved, you start in the book of Genesis, and you start reading, you understand, and types and figures all the way through the Bible, you find God's plan of salvation. Listen, if you want to have some fun with the Bible, just plain out fun sometime, get in the Bible and start looking for types and figures of the Lord Jesus. In and and God's plan of salvation of mercy, you go back with a, for in the beginning when those two sons was born, when Adam and Eve first sinned, God said He came looking for them. They did not come looking for Him. They hid from God. That's mercy. By the way, God comes looking for you too. You don't go looking for God. God comes looking for you. You get on. Oh, here's two sons. And these two sons, they knew to worship because they were worshiping it. One bought the works of his hands and offered them to God. God said, I refuse those. And another one bought an animal's blood. And God said, I'll receive that. Taking an insult for the guilty. That's a type of Christ. You get over and you find out Noah in the ark. And God told Noah to come into the ark So God was already in the ark, and he asked him to come to me. He's coming to God. And God went by the directions of God. That's obedience. That's all it is. Somebody said Noah got saved by the ark. No, he didn't. He got saved by his obedience. If he had not built that ark, he wouldn't have had the ark. God gave him all the instructions on how to build that ark, and then he got into the ark. It's the same way when it comes to salvation today. God gives us all the ingredients of salvation. All we got to do is obey Him. Get in Him. And all the way down through the Bible, I could give you instant after instant after instant types and figures of God's plan of salvation. And so it begins in the beginning and all the way through. You can see God working with mankind. And then He gets over here at the end and He lifts out His church out of this world at the rapture and in all those that's left, there is no hope. There's no hope for you. You cannot get saved without Christ. There's no such thing as salvation without Christ. And God began to pour out His wrath upon this earth. Hail and fire and and just a torment as scorpions would torment mankind. And still, the Bible says, they will not come to Him. And that's so today. And it's beginning to take shape today. Now, in chapter 11, the temple is measured, and there's two witnesses that God uses. John was given a reed like unto a rod or a measuring stick. If you go back to Ezekiel 40, verse 3 through 5, and Ezekiel 37, 26 through 29, and Zechariah 1 through 6, he uses a measuring stick. And notice who and what was to be measured. Number one, the temple. Number two, the altar and the worshipers. This again is the security of the believer. God will preserve and protect the temple, the altar, and those who worship their act. Let me give you something. In Revelation 21 and verse 15, an angel with a golden reed measures the pearly white city The glorified church is there. And remember this. Israel is an earthly people with earthly promises. They are blessed with earthly promises throughout all eternity. Did you know that some people believe that this earth is going to disappear one day? Simply because God said He's going to destroy this earth? The Bible says this earth is everlasting. This earth ain't going nowhere. Is that a contradiction? No, because he said he was going to destroy the world with water one time, didn't he? Well, he didn't say he was going to annihilate it. He said he was going to destroy it. There's a difference. So the water destroyed what was on the earth at that time in the flood, and he will also destroy on this earth one day all sin with fire. That means he's going to renovate this earth with fire, and the earth belongs to the Jewish people. We're a heavenly people. But the Jewish nation belongs to this earth, belongs to them. It's their possession. Now, the church, Israel is an earthly people with earthly promises. The church, the bride of Christ, is a heavenly people with heavenly promises. And in heaven, all believers will be on display showing the riches of God's mercy and grace. I've thought about this a great deal. Did you know that you're a trophy of God's grace? And as it were, you stand behind a great white throne judgment one day when God calls up all the lost of all the ages out of the lake of fire. Remember this, every man has to stand before God one day. Saved and unsaved. We stand before the judgment seat of Christ. God, and give an account of our deeds. All the unsaved will stand before Jehovah God one day at the great white throne judgment, and give an account of their works. Now, if you're not careful, you'll get into catechisms which teaches that they're going to be brought up and they're going to be weighed by their works. If they've done good or bad, they're they're uh, tormented because of their bad deeds, and now they paid for those they brought up and turned loose, and they're free, and now they're fit for, for, for heaven, not on your life. The The Bible makes it very plain that the ones that say unsaved and in hell today is going to come up one day, God's going to call them out of there, and they're going to stand before God one day, and He's going to say, Why didn't you receive me as your Savior? And they can't answer a word. They absolutely cannot answer God a thing because they know He's a Savior. And then He says, Depart from me, I never knew you. Back in the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Now it's all the plan of God in the Word of God. Amen? And so when you read these vows that's poured out, remember something God is dealt in mercy all this time. Now, those that reject Him, they're doomed. No hope. And God lets you know how He's going to do it in types and figures. Amen. I'm so glad tonight I'm saved by God's grace. Ephesians 2 8 9 For by grace are you saved through faith, that not Himself is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know why you're saved by the grace of God? If it was not, then if it's something you could do, you could get to heaven one day, boy, look why I'm here. I gave to the church, and I prayed, and I read my Bible, and I was a soul winner, and you could give all these reasons why you'd be in heaven. And God said, none of that's any good. It's filthy rags. The only thing that's going to count on that day are you washed in the blood. It's just that simple. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, would You bless Your people tonight? Lord, I know there's so much that we're not covering it should be. But Lord, understanding peace by peace is the way You let people see Your glory and Your might. And if everybody could see, if they could only take a glimpse of Your glory, it would seem to me like they would come to You willingly for salvation. But Father, You know and thank God for your gift to us. Bless us as your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing something, please. Turn your hymnals to page three hundred seventy-seven, where he leads off all of